We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to the book of Romans tonight. Romans chapter number 8, and we'll begin reading at verse number 24 here in just a moment. But Romans chapter 8, verse number 24, I hope that I can be an encouragement to you as well as challenge you from the Word of God tonight uh, with a thought that the Lord has used to challenge me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24, the Bible says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now I've underlined in my Bible the the ending of verse 24, a question that is asked. He says, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? I like to ask this question tonight and pose this question to you on what are you, or what am I, or what are we hoping for tonight? When we think about the Great Commission and world evangelism and God working in our own hearts and our own homes, our own churches, our own communities, what is it tonight that we are hoping for? May God speak to us. Father, I thank you for our time together here this evening. I pray now that you would speak to our hearts. You'd help us to come to the conclusions that you have for us in your word. If you'd give me the words to say of explanation, but Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be the one who does the preaching and that you would receive all the honor and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever w- hoped for something that was highly unlikely to happen? All of you married men, your hands should go up, right? If you're married tonight, something that you hoped for that was unlikely, it happened. Praise the Lord. Certainly as children, we hoped for things that really were far-fetched and there wasn't much reality that they would ever come, uh, come to pass. And hope we hope for something more than really was realistically possible. I remember as a young person, I learned my lesson one time on this matter of hope. I grew up a sports fan. I'll say the team I pulled for. You can throw things at me later. But I grew up a UNC fan growing up in, in that part of the country and in, in the county that UNC is in. And I remember one day I was watching them play in the ACC tournament. They were playing the Clemson Tigers, and they were playing awful. They were supposed to be one of the top-ranked teams that year. It was their year to go all the way. I mean, and they were just playing horrific. And they were down 13 points, and it was in the second half, and I had had enough. So I cut it off, went outside, played basketball in the yard for a little while, and came back in, turned it back on, and it was still awful. They were still down big. So I I said, I'm done. I'm just going to forget about it and go on about the rest of my day. And I did that. And then I come in later that afternoon and kind of flip it on just to see how bad had it had it ended and come only to find out that they had come back in epic fashion. I mean, it, it was a, one of the greatest comebacks in, in their history. And they had won the game, and I think they may have even went on to win the tournament that year. Uh, but I had missed it all. I had missed being a part of all of that. Why? Because simply, I had given up hope. And on a more serious note this evening, I wonder how much in our lives do we miss that God wants to do in and through us because we give up hope that He can do that in our lives or that we fail to hope for more in and of Him. 
Now, when we speak of hope, we understand that that word must be defined biblically. The way that we use it in our vocabulary is not the biblical sense of the word. We use the word hope to express a desire or a wish, like I hope you feel better or I hope the the weather changes today. And we express a wish or desire for that to happen, but there's nothing that we can do to change that. And honestly, we really don't expect it to change very much. But when we come to the biblical definition of the word, the Bible tells us that our hope, which is found in Christ and Christ alone, is a living hope. And it's a joyful expectancy. And so when we think about the hope for eternity, we've not yet experienced heaven, but we live expecting it to happen because it's been promised us, and that promise is based on the very nature of God Himself. And so it's a joyful expectancy. That's the hope of the Bible. And we understand that hope in regards to eternity, but I present to you tonight that there's also that type of hope for the present. The truth of the matter is... Our salvation brings more to us than just eternal life. And if that were all that it were, it would be wonderful. But there are present possessions that we possess today. There are things that accompany salvation, like the peace of God that passes all understanding, the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, the personal relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ as we live our life here on this earth. There are many things that accompany salvation, and God wants to work in and through us here and now, not just in eternity later on. And so what about our hope for the present? And we think about men and women in the Bible who hoped for more in God. Think about Abraham. Abraham left his homeland and packed up his family and moved and followed God to a place that God said, when you're there, I'll let you know, just follow me. Think about Joshua when he took over for Moses and and God told him, I want you to lead the people of Israel around Jericho and you're going to march around one time each day and on the last day you're going to march around seven times and then you're going to blow the trumpets and then you're going to yell really loud and then the walls are going to fall down. Well, they had a hope for, for, for pretty much in that present situation, didn't they? Hope to see something that really was unbelievable to our human minds, yet God did it. Of course, God had done it under Moses' leadership as well when Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then God parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. These men who hoped for more in God, things that were exceeding and abundantly above all that mankind could ever ask or think or more than man could possibly imagine was possible. But as they hoped for more in God, God did great things in and through them. And it was God who got the glory. And so the question I ask us again tonight is, what is it that we are hoping for this evening? Tom Malone said this. He said, when God wants to do something great, He starts with the difficult. But when He wants to do something miraculous, He starts with the impossible. And when we look at the condition of our world and we look at the great need even in our own communities, in our own nation, and certainly in the rest of the world, It can seem to be an impossible task, but we survey God of the impossible. And we should be hoping for Him to do something that really exceeds what we think is possible because it's a work that only God can do. What is it tonight that we are hoping for? Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And what we really need tonight in our lives is to make sure that we have a clear vision not just of what God wants to do, but of who God truly is. As Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6, He is high, He is holy, He is lifted up. And if we'll put God in His proper place in our life and get a clear vision of who He is, then all else will become clear in our lives. And may God give us His vision. What are we hoping for tonight? 
Three things very briefly in this passage I'd like to point out as we think about hope. Would you notice with me, first of all, hope's deliverance in verse number 24, hope's deliverance. He says very simply, we are saved by hope. We are saved by hope. And everything that we set out to do for God should be based on what God has done for us. Pastor Sexton had a quote that he would say all the time, we serve God not because of, but in order to. I mean, we serve God because of, not in order to. We serve Him because of what He's done for us, not in order to receive something from Him because He's already given us all of His love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He's really already given us all of Himself. And so we don't serve Him to get more from Him. We serve Him because of what He's already done for us. This hope's deliverance should be the basis for why we set out and seek to do a work for the glory of God. And I hope tonight that you have experienced hope's deliverance in your own heart. The Lord Jesus Christ gave His life on the cross so that you could be pardoned from your iniquity and you could have a place in heaven with God for all eternity and He is the only way to the Father. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment, the one thing that we are sure of of in this life is that life on this earth will end. That's the only thing that we are certain of. As the poet Longfellow said, he said, Life is real, life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. From dust thou art, to dust returnest, was not spoken of the soul. Our life on this earth will end, but it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment, we will spend eternity somewhere. And that is all based on what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we place our faith in Him, the Bible uses that phrase all the time in the New Testament, in Christ or without Christ, and that's where the line is drawn. Are you in Christ? Have you called on Him for your soul's salvation? Have you experienced hope's deliverance? For by hope are we saved? Or are you without Christ? Have you not placed your faith in Him? Have you rejected His gift of salvation? Then you have not experienced hope's deliverance in your life. But once we experience hope's deliverance, we should build our lives off of that. That's hope's deliverance. It's salvation. Secondly, would you notice with me hope's definition or hope's description? In verse 24, he says, For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Popular to what's being taught today and popular to maybe popular belief, contrary to popular belief, seeing is not believing. It's experiencing. When we see something, we don't believe that it's possible anymore. We know it's possible because we've witnessed it with our own eyes. For example, we have a seven-month-old, and rewind back before February, we were expecting our fourth child. We, we understood for a while. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Then we were told it was going to be a boy. And so we're expecting uh, that, that child to be born. And when you're expecting something like that, it starts to change your life Right then and there, you start kind of living with that mindset. Okay, now we have four children. We got to be have a spot for four children. We got to be able to, to handle four children and raise four children. We got to be able to feed four children, three of them being boys. Okay, now our, our level of support just went up a little bit that we're going to have to ask for, right? Especially the way they eat right now. Good night. And so we start expecting what's he going to be like? What's he going to look like? But once he's born, we're not expecting those things anymore. Today, I don't expect to see Joseph and wonder what he's going to be like. I know. We, we hold him in our hands. We know his personality. We know what he looks like. We know, what he, we know who he acts like and all of that. 
And so seeing is not believing, it's experiencing. So we think about hope, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Why doth he yet hope for? Think about the shepherds. They expected or were waiting, wishing that the Messiah would come, hoping the Messiah would come, but then they saw him with their own eyes. Simeon held him in his own arms, and then he said this, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. If we're experiencing, we no longer have to hope for it. But how often in our Christian lives are we asking for God to do something that we've already seen? Lord, I've got this need in my life, and I know it's possible to meet that need in this way. Would you do this? Well, we already know that's possible. We've already seen God do that. God's already proved himself in that way. Why not hope for something that we've yet to see? Why not ask God to do something more? How big of a God is it that we truly serve? Isn't he the God of the universe, the God of the world? I was reading just the other day in Mark chapter 4 how Christ, he said, peace be still, and the winds calm and the waves cease. And when we pray, when we come before the throne of God Almighty, that's the God that we're praying to. Yet often we hope for just a little smidgen of what he can actually do in and through our life. Tonight I ask you again, what is it that you are hoping for? We read these accounts of the miracles in the Bible, and I look at these individuals who came to Christ expecting Him to do what had yet to be done in their life. They needed to be healed. They needed God to heal a loved one. I think about the woman with the issue of blood. She had searched all around for answers. No doctor could heal her of her infirmity, but she expected that Jesus could. She hoped that He could do what had yet to be done in her life, and she touched the hem of His garment, and immediately she was made whole. And I wonder sometimes, what is it that we, how is it that we limit God from having His perfect will and way done in our life simply because we fail to hope for more in Him? What was He said to, Jerus- to Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her, her wings. But... Ye would not. At Nazareth, he said, and they did not many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. And what type of unbelief is it in our life tonight that may be limiting God from doing so much more in and through us that He wants to do, yet we fail to hope for it? We fail to expect it and to seek it. I think about the hymn that we sing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, hold for grace to trust him more. And maybe tonight we need to find a place to get alone with the Lord and ask him to help us to hope for more in him. There's hope's deliverance. There's hope's description. Lastly, tonight, there's hope's demand. And I'm not particularly fond of talking about this last point, If you'll notice in verse 25, it says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. If there was ever a word that should be stricken from the English English vocabulary, I think it should be the word patience. I'm not a patient person. Anybody here that you don't have to raise your hand, I won't ask you to identify yourself, but maybe you would be in that same category with me. We live in a world today where people are looking for instant gratification, aren't we? 
People want their, I mean, and I'm one of them. I want my McDonald's cheeseburger in the drive-thru. It's fast food, and I'm expecting fast food to be two minutes, right? And since we get tired of waiting in the drive-thru line, now we get our app out, and we order it ahead of time so we can walk in, and we're expecting it to be sitting there when I walk through the doors, right? And if it's not, we get upset. I'm not a patient person, but the, but the Bible says here, for if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. If we're hoping in God to do God's work, the work of the impossible through us, then we have to be patiently waiting on Him to do it. And I've met many people over the course of my time in the ministry that have given up on God simply because God did not meet their request in their time frame. Well, I prayed and asked God to do this, and then and it didn't happen, so I gave up. Well, did you were you patiently waiting on God to do His work, or were you asking God to do your work? And the Bible has a lot to say about patience, probably because God knew that that I needed it. And the Bible says in James, it says, "My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing." Thessalonians references the patience of hope. It uses that terminology. Matthew Henry said this, Our way is rough and long, but he that shall come will come and will not tarry, and therefore, though he seem to tarry, it becomes us to wait for him. How can we stay patient as we wait for God to do his work in and through, through us? The Bible says this in Romans chapter 15, Verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. If we'll stand on the Word of God, which teaches us about the character and the nature of God, which shows to us the promises of God, if we will stand on the Word of God as we patiently wait on God, we can wait and stand strong in that hope that we have in Him. By staying rooted in the Word of God, we can be patient waiting on the will of God and the work of God. And so tonight I ask you again, what is it that we are hoping for? If I could be perfectly honest with you, I've been in the ministry now going on 10 years. Troy, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but a little over, just about 10 years ago, we graduated from Bible college and embarked to do what God had put in our hearts to do. And over the course of that 10 years, and, and we could argue about how well it's done or how well it's not done, I've learned how to do a lot of things in the ministry. I can gather together a sermon. I've pastored a church before. I can have a counseling session, lead a youth group, do this ministry, that ministry. I've learned how to do a lot of things over the course of that 10 years. Still have much to learn, but I've learned how to do a lot of things. And honestly, in some of those things, I can be somewhat effective in getting those things done because the Bible says His Word will not return void. And God often works in spite of us instead of through us. But one place I've come to in my own life tonight is this, is that I'm tired of seeing what Austin Brown can accomplish in the ministry. I've seen that, and it's not much. And I'm asking God for, to do something through me that only He can do. As we seek to plant this church in Hoover, Alabama, we're praying that it would be something that God would do and it would be evident that God did it and not us, just that we were simply used to do His work. But here's the problem. I told you I've come to that place. The problem is I have to stay at that place. 
The moment things start to move and things start to happen, I can't pick the, take the reins back over and say, okay, this is my baby now. I'm driving this thing. I have to stay fully dependent on the Lord as I hope in Him to do what He wants done and what only He can do. And so tonight I ask you again, in your life, in your home, what is it that you're hoping for? Would you pray with me this evening? Oh, may we hope for Him to do things that exceed abundantly all that we could ever ask or think. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and, and turn it over to Brother Odom to finish out the message, the invitation. I don't know the need of your heart tonight, but God does. And maybe you're here this evening, and maybe your need is you need a repaired relationship in your life. And you say, Brother Brown, but it's been years since we've spoken to one another. It's been years since that relationship has been what it ought to be. I'm not sure that it's even possible. Remember, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Maybe tonight the Lord's laid on your heart a burden to lead someone to Christ, and, and you're somewhat fearful of that. Brother Brown, I've never been able to do that. I'm not sure that I even could speak to someone that I don't know and, and try to approach them about their eternity. Remember, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Maybe it's in the regards to missions. Maybe the Lord's dealing in your heart about surrendering to be full-time in His service or surrendering to go to an area, and you're just not sure that you can step out and do that. Remember, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Maybe it's in your giving to missions, and God's laid a number on your heart to give, and you're just not sure if you can, can meet that obligation. Remember, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Whatever your need may be in your life tonight, the one thing I know is that God is able to meet it if you'll just simply look to Him. God wants you to trust Him beyond what you can see, to patiently labor for Him. And may we not stand before His throne in eternity and say, Oh God, I wish I had given you more. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.